Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Starting Small Music Podcast. I'm your host, Dustin McCormick, and today we have a very special guest. We have session drummer and member of the band Friendship Commanders, Jerry Rowe. You've heard Jerry playing drums all over country radio on the hit songs of Morgan Wallen, Luke Combs, Thomas Rhett, and many more. You're going to hear his story of growing up in Nashville, his band Friendship Commanders, and his advice to the next generation of musicians. I hope you guys enjoy, and we'll see you at the end. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Starting Small Music Podcast. Today, we have drummer Jerry Rowe with us. Jerry, how are you doing today? Good. How are you? Good. So uh, where did you grow up, and what first, you got, what first got you into music? Well, I'm actually a Nashville native. Um, more properly, I was born in Franklin, Tennessee, kind of the Thompson Station area, but um, uh, definitely born into it. Third-generation musician. My dad was a bass player. My grandfather was a guitar player and singer. So, Oh, wow. So did you pick up the bass first or drums or what was the first instrument that you picked up? Uh, it was drums, I, which was not my decision. It was actually my, my, my dad and my grandfather's when I was one and a half, they decided to get me a drum kit. Wow. And then how so, long did you play that before you picked up another instrument? They were just always around the house since my dad was a bass player and, um, you know, guitar was just hanging around and I just kind of always absorbed it. And I, I guess I didn't really start legitimately trying to do it until like my mid-teens gotcha so so uh in your teens did you start playing out with a band or anything like that or were you more just kind of like listening to records playing them out at your house yeah I had two prominent childhood bands one with a friend of mine named Matt from like nine to 14 and I'm totally skipping one actually um there was the first my very first band only ever ended up playing like Metallica covers in our garage it never got out never got past that point <laughs> um but my band after that was around for a few years we played a few gigs and then that was through my teen years and then around like 17 18 I joined my first band that legitimately tried to like play shows and make it and you know that's around when I also moved out and started playing for a living totally so uh growing up in Nashville did you go to school with anybody that's uh like popping in the industry right now either artists or songwriters producers uh, I mean, a lot of uh, some of the current players like Eli Beard, I didn't go to school with them, but I knew them from other just like the school community, like parents, friends, like Eli Beard, who you may have encountered bass player and Derek Wells. Yeah. Uh, Chris Donigan's also a native. He ended up in it. A, a lot of natives really didn't. Everybody just moves here to get started. But I know like Mitchell Timpenny, like the Timpenny family's got a long Tennessee history. Right. Yeah. I saw that him yeah. and uh, Ernest both grew up in Nashville together. And a yeah, lot of those Ernst. guys, yeah, all kind of grew up in that area together. Yeah. Ernst from here. Uh, man, it's hard to remember. I think it was just such a small group. I just assume nobody's from here or I forget. <laughs> you know? <laughs> totally. So did you go to college out of high school or did you already know coming out of high school that you wanted to do drums professionally? Well, I didn't go to high school, so I didn't go to college. Uh, oh, really? I'm, yeah. I ended up dropping out in eighth grade. Oh, wow. Uh, what yeah. made you decide to do that? Uh, well, I didn't really decide to, but like circumstances in my life just kind of made it to where it just, that's just what ended up happening. I got you. But, but yeah, I was in an accident when I was 11 and, um, and uh, just kind of set the stage for a weird set of teen years that, in which I played a lot of music and was, you know, going out to a lot of shows and like, I had a, I had a good life then, but I wasn't, wasn't going to school. <laughs> totally. So do you think that kind of let you uh, really get into music at an earlier age and hone your craft? So you knew that's what you wanted to do at an earlier age? 
yeah, a bit of a bit of a side effect of the accident was I was really unable to focus on things that I didn't think were very relevant to me anymore, which school was largely irrelevant in my mind because I just knew I was going to play music. Gotcha. Who were some of the first bands you really listened and deep dove into that got you into want like loving music? Uh, you know, trying to think. I always give like the same answer, but it's pretty accurate. I was really into King Crimson back in the day, really into Metallica. Mm-hmm. Um really into a lot of the like late eighties metal going into the nineties and into grunge and Soundgarden was really important for me. Yeah. And also a lot of traditional country like the band and Ellis Costello and that period of stuff. Totally. So what was the first job you got in the industry? Were you, did you already just start doing session work from the beginning or were you playing around town? What'd that look like? It, technically my first job, I did a demo session for my dad when I was 11. Oh, no way nobody else was available and he's like just let my son do it that's awesome and um yeah i I did my first bar gig the same year um and my first proper tour was a three-month stint with gretchen wilson after which i got fired at age 19 so that was fun really (laughs) yeah wow and then when did you branch into doing session work full-time um you know i moved to la for a while and i moved back here around 2012 and I guess in 2014 is when I really went for it. It's I, ever since I moved back, it was a busy part of like a big part of my life, but I really like stopped touring for other people and except for my band. Um, and then started doing session work around then. Gotcha. So how does the LA music scene compare to the national music scene as someone that's experienced both? Man, I don't know what it's like now. When I was there, it was incredible. It was very like brotherly vibe. Um, all the bands were un, like really supportive of each other and it's great players out there. And it was around 2010, which um, a lot of people have told me was when it kind of peaked. Right. Um, yeah. I really like it. It is very different. The player culture is different or kind of uh, more celebrities there in a way. It's more as like a national, just kind of like everyday normal folk. It's like a normal job here. Um, I did love it out there, like culture wise and like, you know, the food, the weather, everything was great, but I, I don't know what it's like now. I, it, you know, everybody, everybody says they're struggling or they're having a great time and it's hard to gauge, but it seems like a lot of people are moving here more so than ever. No, totally. So, I mean, you've had so much success now with your session work, so many projects, so many number ones, do any sessions stick out to you or like ones that you're most proud of? Man, there's one I'll never forget that, um, that last, Leanne Womack record that we did down in Houston and spent like a whole week there tracking at Sugar Hill. And I don't get to do many destination records. Uh, my band's tracked Steve Albini and we tracked Kurt this past, um, this past December, but like as a, just working as a session musician, that Leanne Womack record was a really great experience. And I'm really proud of how it turned out. Got to play some weird stuff, get some weird sounds. Totally. Good time. So as a session player that has to play every day, how do you avoid burnout? And like, I mean, cause most of the time you're probably doing the same uh, things every day. Like what do you do to keep things coming and constantly like kind of honing your craft? So. Man, I don't know how you avoid burnout. Uh, if you have any advice, please let me know. <laughs> um, you know, the, the, I think the strange thing that, that a lot of people in Nashville have faced is that um, we really only shut down for a few weeks here. Mm-hmm. We were back in the studio pretty much immediately because home recording is actually more expensive and takes longer in the long run on really? like a large scale project. Yeah. 
you're paying everybody their rate on separate cards and in separate time frames, and then it you know the producer is not there to like kind of guide the process and control it. So what happened was that workload exploded with mostly like independent stuff and some session stuff, like some on the card label stuff. And then we were back in the studio in an honestly like busier schedule than I'd ever been on. Like since artists couldn't tour, they were just releasing music nonstop because mm -hmm. that's how they could keep the money flowing and keep the industry alive. So we were out in the studio and getting um, tracks sent to the house and there wasn't a lot of free time. And so I kind of had to, I had to tone down the homework and try to just keep my house, my house that that really helped that helped like reel it in a little bit but yeah you just got to not work sometimes <laughs> totally yeah yeah so you also already mentioned your band uh friendship commanders and you have that with uh buick audra how did that project come about when did you guys decide that you wanted to form a band man uh i don't remember the exact time frame but um especially after covid everything's just like a big lump of like awkward time and i can't remember anything in the right order um but you know, Buick's been writing her own music for a long time, and she had the show booked with this guitar player who ended up canceling the day before. And she's like, why don't we just go loud? We'll play like a trio. So we did it, and everybody really enjoyed it. And then her and I was kind of like, what if we just like purposefully did a louder rock project? And we started working on it and like playing, playing together and then decided to make it a band, and kind of the rest is history. It's become our life's work like my favorite thing on the planet totally so. um whose idea was it to make like your music videos like super like cinematic i really love your guys's music videos and like the work you put into them so like what uh what was that going into kind of filming uh the music videos to go along with the singles man so you know we both love movies Buick really loves old horror and i you know a lot of our earlier videos were highly influenced by that and like sort of the like 120 minutes aesthetic which was yeah. a lot of black and white and a lot of old like film effects so uh, I've always wanted to make movies, so I was always game. And uh, so we started with a cell phone videos, and I was like, what if we do this like more for real? And I bought a camera, and then I sold that camera and bought a different camera. And now it's become this thing, you know, in Buick's uh, visual artist, she, she's always had an eye for it. She went to college for it. She's really great with it, really great with designs and colors. So wow. it's kind of an awesome relationship in that I like to film things, and she likes to make things look really great. Totally. And she's a great, she's honestly a great subject. Like for me is operating a camera and like trying to get the message of the songs across. It's very easy to do with her. Yeah, for sure. And so I saw on your website in one of your 2021 releases, you're, you're singing on the track at some point, right? There's some vocals on there. Uh, you know, there's, uh, I used to sing on our older stuff, but it's mostly Buick. Okay. Now. Gotcha. Yeah. She's, um, you know, like, she grew up on a lot of old R&B and, and songwriter stuff that's got big walls of harmony. So she loves to do it. I think it sounds a lot better when she's handling it. <laughs> <laughs> I can get kind of yelpy. Um, yeah, I sing live. Uh, I sing more on like Dave and Bill and some on Hold On To Yourself. I think everything else since has been her, except for, you know, we had a, uh, a, a Native American speaker on uh, Stone Child who's actually delivered the the bridge in Lushitsee, just the native language of the the tribe there. And um, that was a great experience. Wow. So uh, you guys are currently working on your upcoming album, correct? Yeah, we got new music uh, headed, headed out somewhat soon. We're figuring out when to get it out, when to get on the road. 
pretty excited so, about it. How would you describe the sound of the upcoming project? Oh man, it's so hard. Um, you know, it's still us. It's it's very sludgy, very pulverizing. This this record is heavier in a lot of ways. It like it the tempos are slower, but somehow the songs are still hard, are like harder to play. It's almost like they just require more energy from you, and you have to hit even harder than before. Really? Um, yeah, it feels very profound and and impactful, but it's definitely like a sludgy, grungy metal hard rock record. That's awesome. I'm excited to hear it. So, uh, kind of to like wrap up the interview, I always like to ask, what would your advice be to an aspiring musician that would want to be uh, a session musician like yourself, or be touring the country just in a band? Uh. I think, I think there's a, especially in the age of like um, social, so in the age of social media, like instructional courses and people who are instructional minded, there's a lot of stuff about like getting skill sets together and doing this stuff. And while that's important, I really think it's very, very, very wise to cultivate your thing and get really good at it and get, get really good at working with other people and just always be doing something and be around other people and working with them. Because it's as much luck as it is hard work. Totally. Um, and always be doing something that you care about because that influences where you get hired and who you get hired by, where you work. If you're putting out, you're putting art out that you care about and would put your name on that's great and very obviously genuine. That goes very far. And sometimes it works out and that's all you have to do. Well, guys, there you have it. My conversation with Jerry Rowe. Jerry, thank you again so much for coming on the show. Had a great time talking with you. Everyone go follow him on Instagram at Jerry Rowe. And also go follow his band Friendship Commanders at Friendship Commanders on Instagram. I want to give a big shout out to TBD Coffee Co. for being the official coffee of starting small music. Check them out at tbdcoffeeco.com. And make sure to come back next week to hear my conversation with artist and songwriter Wyatt McCubbin. Check out Starting Small Music on YouTube to see all the video content from our interviews. And also, follow Starting Small Music on Instagram at Starting Small Music and let us know who you'd like to hear on the podcast next. And remember, everyone starts small.